I'm Jordan Goodman. And I'm Justin Goodman. We're third-generation insurance agency owners and also brothers. Even though we had the same upbringing, we see the world very differently. This caused significant issues in our early years, but we eventually embraced the idea that every coin needs two sides to be complete. In 2018, we launched our second company, Total CSR, with the aim of reducing new-to-industry onboarding timeframes from two years to two months. Since then, we've traveled the country speaking to thousands of agency owners and their teams, and we've come to realize two things. We all struggle with similar challenges, regardless of size and location, and oftentimes, we are too embarrassed to ask for help. The Independent Agent Podcast is our attempt to provide helpful answers to your most difficult questions, anonymously, of course. Thanks for listening. Welcome to episode two, and today we're going to talk about two mirror images of problems that agencies face, one from the account manager employee side and one from the agency owner side, and I think you're going to find it very relevant to what most of you are facing today. So with that, I'm going to jump right into the question we got. First question we have today is from an account manager. I've been working in the industry for over 10 years in this role. During the time I have gotten my CIC and CPCU designation and worked very hard to bring value to our clients. The producer I've been working for has a good sized book of business but really is not actively selling anymore and really isn't even servicing that much anymore. In short, I handle pretty much everything for his entire book of business and he shows up at renewal and collects the check. I received a small raise earlier this past year, but my salary pales in comparison to his commission when I'm the one doing all the work. How do I communicate to my boss that my compensation needs to be more in line with what I'm doing for our clients as compared to the producer? Jordan, why don't you jump in first with that and then I'll wrap up with some of my thoughts. I mean, I totally get it from that perspective, but basically what it sounds like is the producer is enjoying what he or she did over the course of many, many years to get to this point. I think that's why producers are in this business, to build up a book of residual income. And later on down the road, after 15, 20 years in the business, you don't have to work as hard anymore. And you can manage your existing book. I mean, that's the reason why I worked my butt off in this business to build up a book so that I didn't have to grind every single day. So... I totally hear what the account manager's saying, and I totally get how it looks that way. But I think one of the things that they're not seeing is how, and I guarantee that they're not seeing this, selling is so difficult. You have to walk into someone else's, blow up someone else's relationship, convince them why you're better, grind through a whole series of processes to win their business, and then do that time and time again in the face of rejection over and over and over again. Now, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to do that. And some people, it's very, very easy for. But most people still can't do it. And even though, like Justin and I, we've had a lot of success in the business, but there are some days where the rejection is gnarly. And you just have to keep going through it over and over and over again. And so it's just two different roles. So I think if I were you, I wouldn't stack where you're at up against the producer. Now, that probably sounds like a producer saying that to you, and that's 
It is. That's true. But you need to be able to approach your manager or the owner with, hey, here's the value that I'm bringing, and here's why I think that I should be paid more or get more time off or get more benefits, etc. I think if you try to pin it against the producer, it's not going to end well. So I don't doubt that you're not kicking butt and potentially you should be paid more. But I'd make sure that you came with real information, knowing where the rest of the industry is paid and just say, hey, here's where I'm at. Here's where I mean, even that, like bring a goal, say I'm making X and I want to grow to a position because I'm working hard where I can be making Y. What can we do? Or is that foreseeable in my future? Because for some people, it's not. Some agencies are small agencies and there's only so much that can go around. I think we'll get into that later on, but I don't know. Justin, what do you have to add to that? All right. Well, that was the producer in our little group talking. I'm going to talk ops for a second. So my first question out the gate is, one, does your agency have production goals? I bet they do. And most successful agencies across the board are going to have production goals for their producers. And even those with an established book of business should have a minimum threshold each year because we do not have 100% retention ratios. So if that male or female producer has built up a book of business, and even if they have a 90% retention on a million dollars commission book, you guys are losing $100,000 in clients a year, and that needs to be replenished with new business. So out the gate, if that's not in place, that's obviously concerning. One of the things Jordan just brought up now is, how are you compensated in comparison to your peers? Have you taken a look at what your role is actually in your local market being paid? Have you spoken to recruiters and found out where you are? Are you in that healthy median range? Or are you at the top end of the spectrum? Because you may find that for your role and responsibilities that you're already at that higher end and that there's not greener pastures somewhere else. Now, you may want there to be and you may want more income because you believe that your contributions are more valuable than the producer, but you also discount the value of collecting the check. Collecting the check isn't just picking up the check. There's a relationship established there. And in a lot of cases, if that producer did not have that relationship, that business would go elsewhere. And so while it may not occupy a lot of time for the said producer, in your opinion, it actually brings a lot of value in the process, which is why a lot of agencies still pay producers a renewal commission to maintain that relationship. It's more the fun side of the equation, taking them out, doing the entertainment side of things, not the grind work. But that's really how this industry has built the model over years. And I can argue against that in some cases, but that's how it stands today. The next thing I would say is that when you come into a situation and you believe that you're providing all the value and the other party isn't, usually that truth is somewhere in the middle. And I say that only to say that as a producer, I always think it's everything that I do and contribute to the organization that brings value. And yet when I sit with our team members and I meet with my account managers on our team through the agency uh, one-on-one every month, and we talk about what's going on with them how their day-to-day grind is going, I quickly find out that there's a lot that I take for granted in that process. So I'd actually encourage you to do a couple things. One is talk to the producer about how you're feeling. 
A lot of times the account managers I find are a little apprehensive to do that for fear of hurting the producer's ego or hurting the relationship. But the relationship is already hurting if you're feeling like you aren't being compensated for your worth. And I as a producer would rather be told hey, this is how I'm feeling, then find out when you give two weeks notice and take another opportunity elsewhere. And so the first conversation I would have with the producer, and if the producer doesn't re-engage and you guys don't work as a team to build there, then the next step would be to talk to management. But again, when I talk to management, it's really what's your goal? And in an organization like ours, we're pretty clear that if you want to make more money, There's a way for everyone to make unlimited money in our agency. If you go out and bring a new business like a producer, we will pay you like a producer on that new (laughs) business. It's your own get a raise program. You do not have to wait on the producer to come in and no, I'm not expecting you to bring in that new piece of business, turn it over to producer and get a $100 gift card. You will get paid. You can manage it on your own. And so there's always that opportunity. And if you went to your manager or the owner of the agency and said, hey, look, I think I can do what the producer does. I understand I have my responsibilities, but if I have some extra time, do you mind if I go get some new business? I don't think he or she's going to say no to you. So we gave you a lot of thoughts there, some different angles. Jordan, you have something? Yeah, I also, I don't know how much this account manager is making, and I don't know where in the country you are. So... Let's say you're someone, it sounds like someone who's been there for a while and has some frustrations, but has a lot of skills. And let's say you're making, I don't know, $60,000, as your salary. Don't forget that the vast majority of the time where maybe you came in the industry, started making forty-five or fifty, the producers came in and first year made 20 for several years until they built up a book because it takes a long time to build up a significant book in this business. And I've seen multiple times when account managers have said, hey, I think I want to try to be a producer. And we say, okay, what's your plan? Just know that if you're going to go away from being an account manager to be a producer, your salary is going to go way back down. And yeah, you've got the unlimited earning potential, but it's a huge step. And a lot of producers sidestep other industries too, right? They think that they're successful in sales in other industries and they're making $120,000, $130,000 a year only to come back down and go, okay, you're going to have a base salary of $2,000 a month for your first year plus your commissions go hunting, you know? So there's just, don't play the, the it's, you know, us versus them. It's, you know, I do, he does, she does, whatever game. I just don't think it's going to get you very far. Be ready to represent your own value and stand up for yourself. And I don't know if I agree with Justin going to the producer on that. I just don't know if it, unless the producer is an owner, I don't know where it's going to get you. But I would talk to management, but only after you have your ducks in a row. And the only thing I would say is you do find out your value relatively quickly. You may not like what your value is in this <laughs> right. industry, but you will find it out. And as you know, with only 4% of millennials willing to come into this business, you can go anywhere you choose if you're of high talent. And so you do have opportunity. You're not locked in there. But again, I'd say the first step is to talk to your team member and or to Jordan's point, talk to the agency owner and really have a conversation about that. But you may find that the value the agency assigns you is different than what you believe you're worth. So go evaluate that in the marketplace and find out what's in alignment. Totally. Is it Uh, beverage time? I think it is. All right. If it's your first time with us. We're going to do a little section again where 
we show you how different we are and try to get Justin to drink some decent alcohol. So last week, we introduced Justin to my favorite scotch, Lagavulin, while he drank his Ultra, as usual. Delicious. He turned it down, didn't like it. Low carb. So I got an extra beverage. Justin, here's your Ultra today. So today we're going to keep it simple. I love beer, probably too much, but I don't know how you drink that crap. So it's refreshing. It's crisp. Two point yeah, six like carbs. I guess ninety five yeah. calories. Wouldn't you, just, wouldn't you just need it? So what I'm going to introduce you to, and I know I've done this before, and I really am intrigued to see how it's going to go again. This is my favorite IPA. So. This is Green Flash. It's a West Coast style IPA. And it looks like an old soda bottle from back in the day that might have grape juice in it. It does look like a little grapefruit juicy. Like grape they, ape or they, something they, like that. They actually like kind of rebranded. I think they rebranded, but I think they changed the formula too a couple years ago. They call it Green Flash and yet it's purple. Green Flash, dude. That's the <laughs> first there is a green flash. If you can see it on the camera, there's a green flash. The green flash is the whole, you know, when the sun sets, you know, over the ocean, there's supposed to be a green flash. Well, why not, why not a green bottle? Why purple all around? Green flash is the name of the brewery. The West Coast IPA is the name of the beer. Well, you always say it's green flash. You always, when we're at right, a restaurant, Right, because I saying, don't like a lot of their other beers. I mostly have this beer of theirs. But you mentioned the name of the brand. You say, I'll have a green flash. Right. It's like someone saying, I want a bud, man. Like, it's just, you don't need to, God, I don't have words for you. Drink your beer. All right. So, cheers. cheers. Okay. He's taking a sip. <laughs> what, what? Talk about what you taste. It's so bitter. My eyes are watering. Hops? Yeah. I, I, why? Because it's good to have flavor. Like, I've got plenty of flavor. No, you in don't. You're drinking I have, water. I have in my mouth right now, it's like a Benadryl-like aftertaste. <laughs> Didn't you compare the scotch to Benadryl, too? <laughs> <laughs> they, both, they both kind of fit that, just in different ways. One was warm you, you and one's Benadryl cold. You Benadryl frequently? Is that, is that I did growing up. Ask mom. <laughs> it's true. Uh, that's oh, funny. man. No. No? No. No? I need some of my... Uh, Ultra to wash that down. <laughs> Ultra wins again. Well, again, I think I win because I get two beers out of this and you just get one. So I am keeping it right now to some basic stuff. But in the coming weeks, I'm going to make you some mixed drinks and see what I can do for you. Like okay. a margarita? Uh, a daiquiri? <laughs> you would want a daiquiri. <laughs> I know you would want a daiquiri. A kamikaze shot? Oh, goodness. Dude, the days in the fraternity house with the kamikazes, <laughs> just good. I, I, can't I did even make go. a good one. I can't even go near it. Just, it's rough. Okay, let's move on. All right, question two. My agency is small, yet profitable, and we have a solid team in place. That said, I am finding that my newer millennial hires are expecting salary increases beyond what the agency can afford to pay. How do I, one, keep talented people when I don't have the funds to compete with the big brokers, and two, communicate to my account manager that there's only so much I can afford to pay their specific role? All right. Well, the obvious question that I like to start in this situation is why are they asking for more money? Now, if you'd ask me, and this was five years ago, I'd give you a different response today. My millennial brother has educated me since then. But let's start off with 
yes, millennials want promotions fast. They want more money. They tend to be inward focused to a certain extent and yet cause driven in another lens. Now, the big thing that we're seeing, at least amongst the millennials we talk to, is the reason they need the increased salary is the debt they're servicing, Mm -hmm. namely the college debt. And that can be, I think on average right now is $25,000 a student. And depending on where you're on the West Coast, if you're any private education. 25000 is the in, average? In debt. That seems low to me. Well, that's I the mean, number. I don't know. Don't get me into it. Keep going. Keep going. So they've got to service this debt. And let's take in California in particular. So let's assume in California you're lucky enough to only have $25,000 in student loan debt. You also want to get into a home someday. And in California, if you know our housing market, we are quite expensive. And so they can't start a family. They can't do anything until, one, they eliminate that debt, or they just put that off and push it down the road. So there's a reason behind why they want the increased income. The and next because thing, we drink better beer than you, and it's more expensive. You know what? <laughs> they would be smart to invest in, in purchasing some Michelob Ultra instead of your high-priced high uh, West Coast IPA green flash purple stuff. Um, <laughs> so dumb. So the next thing I would say is you've got to talk about things with your employees other than compensation because other things do matter. They are looking for a culture. They are looking for an environment. Now, that's only to a certain extent. That's only going to take you so far. But the harsh reality is if they go and jump to another agency for a 10% raise and then come to realize that that agency doesn't respect the 40-hour work week, that 10% raise could actually be a wage decrease in the long run. So part of it's educating them on the environment as a whole. I think one of the things that we don't do enough as agency owners is talk to those first-time employees into our sector about how the agency world operates. I also encourage them to go to conferences so they start to get a feel and hear from others because they tend to think the grass is greener until they speak to other agencies. And I would say this is only a problem, and this changed for us several years ago when we really developed a strong onboarding and training program. And the reason I say this is I don't have to worry at our agency when someone says, hey, I have a new and better opportunity for more money. We actually encourage that. If I don't have a spot for you and you've grown out of our agency, I'm going to be the first to cheer you on and help you get that because we can onboard and train so fast. Now, that requires planning. That requires... And because you're a decent human being. Yes. Emphasis on the decent human being part, but that selfish desire, and that was there for a long time, like, they are my employees. They're not going anywhere else. And you really can't think like that. And if you have the right training program in place and you can get people onboarded in their spot and contributing right away, you can afford to have people graduate on past you. We are a small boutique construction agency in California. We don't have this corporate ladder. We have a rung on a corporate ladder. There are enough talented people within our organization that we don't have enough spots for them to continually move up to more and more complex accounts for every single person in our organization. So that said, if someone comes to me and says, hey, Justin, I want to evaluate these options, 
one, I'm in a position to say, yay you, I think that's awesome. But two, how can we help you get there? And we'll do right by each other in the process. I can write you a letter of recommendation, but I'm no longer worried about it. To your point of you can't afford to compete with the big houses, we couldn't either back in the day, which is one of the reasons why we trained from the beginning, brought in new people instead of trying to pay recruiters that 20% fee and played that game and those salary negotiations. It's just a losing battle. But when you hire the young millennial and eventually Gen Z, you need to know that you have a short window to get them up and running, and you may only have them for two years. But if you have them for two years and they're contributing for 20 of those months equal to what you would expect for them, then it's worth it. And so that's really my thought is you've got to have a system in place that trains people effectively, but also be aware and show some empathy that they have struggles that a lot of us didn't have. We had a different housing market many years ago, and the debt continues to increase. College tuition is growing much faster than inflation. And so it's not an apples to apples comparison to when you started within the agency space. Jordan, you have well, thoughts? Yeah. I mean, think about, I mean, I know we're in a strange place. We're in Orange County in Southern California, but we're looking at some of these one bedroom apartments going for like $2,800 a month. You know, it's not necessarily one of the newer apartments, and it's really, really hard to get affordable housing. So someone coming out of school is like, hey, I'm scraping by, and you think, well, I'm paying you $50,000, but they're still eating ramen, right? And, and I made the joke about the beer, but it's probably good beer and ramen that they're eating a lot of the time. you know. So I think you just got to be reasonable with what it takes to live for some of the millennials. And then the other side is that we do value money, but we value quality of life more than I think prior generations. Uh, and I'd say we because I am a millennial. A few years ago, I was going through a, a, what, a quarter-life crisis, would we call that? Yes, we would call it a quarter-life crisis. Where I told Justin I only wanted to work part-time and then you know record music. And uh, so he graciously, I don't know why he did this, but he said, okay. And we had an agreement, and I swear I was doing it for like a month, and then was like, ah, I, I think I'm over this. But we just have those things where we're convinced the grass is always greener and we're always looking for something with purpose. And, and I think it's one of the struggles that I still look in my whole life is where can I find purpose in my life? Because the reality is sometimes this business becomes just monotonous and redundant and the same thing over and over again. So I would encourage you to sit down and find out what's really important to them. Potentially it's you know, you can't afford to pay you more money, but I can give you some more time off or we can do half day Fridays or whatever it works for your organization. Just be creative, maybe work from home every now and again, whatever that is. But your second part was communicate to the account manager that there's only so much that I can afford to pay their specific role. I think that's a losing battle. Unless you want to open your books up and explain to them how finance works and explain to them how the whole ins and outs of an agency, which maybe you do, I just don't know how far that gets you. So I would, again, keep it focused on, hey, what are your goals? How do I help you achieve them? What would you like? Maybe if we hit some growth targets, we can hit you with some more money on that side. But short term, that's not something we're able to do. So can we look for alternative ways to reward you? And what I would say is also that you may need to change your recruitment practices. If money is not something you can offer past a certain point. 
And again, there is that set point that the role is worth and no one likes hearing that. I tend to believe more information is better than less, but I would say you need to recruit people and your ads for jobs need to reflect quality of life, the other things that they get when they work for your agency. And during that interview process, being really candid about what it is and what it isn't. Because we've had people who said, you know what, I don't need to make a killing, but I need stability. I need a community to belong to. Totally. I need a runway where I can figure out the rest of my life. They're in transition of some sort. So I would almost say I would focus on, yes, see if you can get in alignment with that person. You may not be able to solve the money issue, but on a go forward basis, if you know that there's a set dollar amount that you can offer that's not going to compete with the big funds or big firms, then you need to adjust your recruitment strategy to go and attract the talent that is willing to overlook that. And you may have to get creative. You may have to still come up with some type of financial incentive program, but you really do have to change the carrot out there and pre-qualify these people ahead of time so that you don't run into that same situation with that person. And just not to beat a dead horse here, but how they may feel in the first couple of years and what's important to them versus when they meet somebody, get married, and then have a kid. Totally. So. 100%. That will change. And so even when you do find that person, you need to be prepared that when that life event happens, they do find somebody, the money part is going to become part of that equation. And that ultimately comes down to running a good organization. And yes, I want to be extremely profitable, but I also want my employees to have a quality of life and I want my customers to be well-serviced and you do have to provide a wage that makes that employee feel valued and does take care of their family and their needs. But that is part of the profit. Part of the profit for us is that we get to be in a position where we can reward other people who do great work and they get to have incredible lives in return. You know, it's not only profit if we take it home or if it stays in the organization. So I'm sure you are, but keep thinking like this business has changed so many lives and had so many, so much incredible influence. Just be aware of the role that you have in the livelihoods of all these people and keep in mind that, hey, you're here to look out for them and make sure that they live their best life too. I think that's it for today. I think we uh, covered both of those. As always, if you have questions that you want to ask us, feel free to reach out. We are an open book. You can hit us up on LinkedIn via email. Uh, LinkedIn via email? Or via or LinkedIn, email, comma, sorry. via email? All right, Mr. Grammar. <laughs> we are readily accessible. And if you see me at an upcoming conference, love to grab a drink with you talk. We love brainstorming ideas, so don't be a stranger. Bring your questions. Thanks, guys. Have a great one.